This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49, and also I am a, a, a retiree. I'd like to welcome you back to our weekly podcast, the Chapter 49 podcast. Duncan Giles is our chapter president with us once again, and good afternoon, Duncan. Good afternoon, Larry. And we have a special guest uh, from Washington, D.C., Doreen Greenwald, a special assistant to the national president for NTEU, and that would be Tony Reardon. So, uh, Doreen Greenwald, welcome. Great to have you with us today. Thank you, Larry. Good afternoon to you and to Duncan. Glad to be a part of this. Well, we're looking forward to talking to you. But before we do that, well, there's one particular issue that Duncan wants to talk about to start this off. We talked a lot about COVID-19 last week, about the fact that we were beginning to get some reports of some, some local positive tests. So, Duncan, you have a story to tell. Please give us that story. Yeah. I, uh, after our podcast last week where I said that we had an employee from Evansville, our Evansville post of duty that came in and tested positive, uh, that employee listens to the podcast and reached out to me and told me their story and wanted me to publicize it, and I'm happy to do that. Basically, this employee, um, you know, was reporting back to work on June 29th, knew they were coming back, went into the office. No problems, no issues. Uh, They live in Kentucky, not Indiana, and the Kentucky governor has strongly suggested and made it very accessible for anybody who wants to get a COVID-19 test to do so. So the employee got tested, went into work the next day, no problems, no issues. Then that night they get the results. They have tested positive for COVID-19, totally asymptomatic, no symptoms whatsoever. Uh, The worst symptoms they've had since the test has been a temperature of just around 100 degrees. So nothing really major, no other ill effects aside from that. Their families tested negative. And they just wanted me to reiterate to everyone that even though you do the right things, and this employee from everything they were telling me, wore a mask when they were out, social distanced everywhere they could did not go out much and avoided crowds whenever possible, did all the right things, but still ended up with a case of COVID-19. So we just have to be very mindful that if someone comes down with COVID and comes into the office, they may not have the faintest idea that they have. And we need to all understand that and just be as vigilant as possible to make sure that we try and do everything we can to avoid getting it But sometimes that will happen. Yes, and uh, it's interesting. The governor of Kentucky showed the leadership here. Our employee, you know, it's right there on the Kentucky-Indiana border. We're also close to Illinois. But it was the Kentucky governor who uh, pushed uh, his residents to get tested and, and ended up impacting an Indiana facility. One other thing, and I and we've talked about this before, you know, even though you're getting this advice locally, as far as an IRS employee is concerned, if you want to get a test, you're on your own. No yeah, re- the IRS has said that they are not going to do any testing. It's too tough for them. And I believe Doreen would be able to speak more intelligently on that one. But it's just one of those things where um, I know it doesn't, their, their intention is not to seem like they're washing their hands of it, but it certainly looks that way. And it's, it's not a good look. 
Well, we're going to get into coronavirus more globally in a moment. Doreen, I'd like to ask you a question just to start this off, and Duncan will be jumping in as well. I, I would like to ask this. One thing Duncan does for me, because I help him with his communications for the chapter, is share all of the notes you have from the meetings that uh, you as, as union representatives have with the national management of IRS, and uh, a variety of subjects are discussed all the way across the board about people returning to work or just the, the whole workplace uh, situation. I have been getting the impression just by looking at those notes that the meeting started off, you know, as fairly, you know, good natured and you were exchanging information. I have sort of gotten the sense that the meetings have been more contentious in recent weeks. Is that a correct or incorrect impression? I would not uh, classify them as being contentious. Um, as this COVID pandemic has expanded, um, NTU has been very grateful for the interactions we've had with the IRS. Um, early on, they um, NTU, at NTU's request, um, volunteered to have meetings with us. And initially we were meeting every day. Uh, we then went to three days a week and now we are meeting two days a week. And, you know, the bulk of our discussion topics are issues that have been raised by our members as well as our chapter leaders that, you know, are experiencing have questions or have run into policies or concerns that they um, elevate to our team, and then we raise them with IRS and their representatives. And of late, we've had some issues with getting timely notification of items, and that's been frustrating. Um, one of my charges um, as the special assistant working uh, on behalf of Tony Reardon is ensuring that we are responsive and addressing the concerns of our members and our chapter leaders and their needs. And so when we raise things with the agency, we are hopeful to get quick and accurate responses. And in the last several weeks, we've had some problems with that. And we've brought that to the agency's attention and they've indicated to us they are taking steps to correct that. Their intent is to provide us timely information. Unfortunately, with an agency as large as IRS, sometimes things slip through the cracks. And I think one of the frustrations is because each of the individual business operating divisions operates very independently, um, the team we work with sometimes doesn't get individual uh, updates from those individual business units. And that's caused some of these delays. Uh, Duncan, I'll let you ask the next question. Yeah, uh, Doreen, I appreciate your um, way of phrasing things. I, I find it disturbing to me that a lot of times the business units, and I do make it specifically the particular business units, uh, don't make the time to make the call or are more vague than they should be. Like a lot of times when you know, the July 15th date is a perfect example. We heard about that long before the business units shared it with you or probably the Human Capital Office, HCO. And I think that's where the frustration comes in from uh, employees as well as chapter leaders out there that they just, you know, the stuff's already in motion by the time that we get notified. And I know we're working hard on that, but um, do you see that getting better down the road? Well, I sure hope so. 
Um, we continue to raise that as an issue with the IRS and their team. Um, coming from a background of working for the IRS for 35 years, I know when we're hearing from chapter leaders and members that their group managers are telling them something's going to be changing on July 15th, and IRS acts as if they have no knowledge of this to keep pushing because <laughs> um, while they may not be free to share things or, or aren't ready to share it is probably more of the situation, um, we know something is coming. And so we're going to keep asking those tough questions and, and working to get answers. Um, quite frankly, one of my frustrations has been the agency's willingness to set deadlines and then seem to try to work the details after the fact. And that frustrates employees because, you know, when a manager raises something to an employee and says, you know, on such and such date, something's going to change, employees have questions and want to know how that's going to impact them so they can make good decisions, not only for their family lives, but also their work lives. And when the managers aren't in a position to answer those questions, it causes a great deal of stress and frustration. So we're really trying to work through that and share those um, situations with the agency to help them improve their communication. And Larry, I would like to add one point. Uh, Doreen and Ken Moffat have been the point people for national NTU on this effort, uh, on these calls. And to be honest with you, they've done a remarkable job of asking the right questions, holding the IRS's feet to the fire and getting information out there. So that's truly appreciated. You guys are doing a great job in a very, very difficult situation. I do want to make sure everybody knows that. Well, and I would add, Duncan, I want to thank you. Um, you've been outstanding in sharing information. You keep us up to date. Um, I, I feel somewhat like I'm flying blind. As working with the Internal Revenue Service, I had access to a lot of the information they put out, and I no longer do. And so you always are making sure we're aware of changes that the agency is sharing with employees and any updates they provide and keeping us on the right track. So we're focused on issues that are important. And our goal then is to find out from the agency what their plans are and then to turn that information around quickly so you can share it with your membership and, and all of our uh, NTU members so they have the information they need. And Duncan, I'd like you to start, and Doreen, I want to get your take on this as well. There is something that's been in the contract for a number of years. It's called MaxiFlex. And I'm sure, I don't know how many people are actually on MaxiFlex in the state of Indiana. You could tell me better. But uh, it seems that there's a little more interest in this provision as people try to balance their work and personal lives returning to the office, at least for those who are returning to the office and even some who are working out of their homes. Explain what MaxiFlex is and why there seems to be a new, um, how should I put it, emphasis being put on that. Well, uh, MaxiFlex is exactly what it says. It's basically that you're still going to work 80 hours in a two-week period, but those hours can be adjusted a great deal. And where this comes up uh, wonderfully, expected, especially with what they're calling expanded MaxiFlex, is it really allows people who have uh, issues taking care of elderly parents or especially child care issues to be able to work earlier in the morning, later in the evening, and take some of that time to help children with e-learn, assist elderly uh, folks that they're taking care of. Um, I, I do appreciate the IRS's openness in doing this, 
and it looks like that even as we start having more people report back to the office, they're going to be continuing to do so. And Doreen, I have seen many articles everywhere that every workplace in America is dealing with this issue of returning to work and trying to figure out how to deal with with, with daycare, with many of the daycares either cutting back on the number of children they accept or disclosing. Do you think MaxiFlex, uh, can you work with IRS in making MaxiFlex one of the possible answers to those problems? Well, that was what it was designed to do. Um, We've been pushing the agency to come up with some options for uh, employees that find themselves in these positions. Um, Quite frankly, MaxiFlex helps, especially if you have a spouse that's also working um, to help, you know, adjust your work schedules to um, work together to accomplish, you know, family care uh, coverage as necessary. But unfortunately, um, you know, with what you stated, the daycare is not being limited, summer camps being canceled, um, there's no no time soon that this looks like it's going to be resolved for parents, and we've really pushed back at the agency because it's been a it's difficult for employees to face either returning to the office or even teleworking um, has been a stress on employees while also trying to handle the e-learning um, responsibilities they now have and caring for families. So while MaxiFlex is a good option tool. Um, we still are pushing for additional options. Um, one of the concerns we've heard loud and clear is that the agency doesn't have the greatest flexibilities when it um, comes to their call centers. And so while you know we've pushed back and asked them to allow people to take calls from different time zones, they said that's not as simple as it may sound. And so we're concerned that some of the MaxiFlex is, is limited for those whose main job is taking phone calls for the Internal Revenue Service. And so that's one of the limitations it has. And obviously, um, any other options that they can come up with, uh, we would appreciate. Uh, they did go to Treasury and look for some guidance, but so far Treasury has been silent um, in response to their request. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not good to hear. But you know, the the IRS, Treasury, and the federal government—they have a chance to be uh, trailblazers here. It's, uh, you would hope that they would do that, but so far it doesn't sound very promising. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Did I got to say I, the IRS and Treasury could be trailblazers. Yeah, they have the opportunity to be. I didn't say they would be. Okay, okay. <laughs> thank you for thank you for emphasizing that qualifier. Uh, I want to stay with you, Doreen, because one thing that's been going on here lately in the last few days is is this whole issue of revenue officers going back out in the field and doing their collection work. Uh, there have been some guidelines issued. Um, I think they were probably, when I read them, I talked to Duncan, I thought it's, it, what's most important is not what was in the guidance, what was left out of the guidance. Uh, where does NTU want to go in terms of trying to make sure that revenue officers and other field people can go out in the field and, and safely do their jobs? Well, you know, NTU stands pretty firm that we do not want employees in harm's way. And so we've always advised the agency that whatever actions they take, that they do so considering employee safety as the top priority. Um, The guidance that was put out both um, in SBSC for exam and collection revenue officers and revenue agents mirrors a little bit what LB and I put out earlier and TEGE also um, put out some guidance yesterday about it. Um, Our understanding from um, our meeting with IRS yesterday is that um, 
field activities will not go back to normal as of July 16th. Um, they're looking to have them be the exception rather than the norm. Um, they've advised us that any type of field activities would be voluntary. Nobody's going to be forced or required to go in the field. And there's going to have to be a good um, communication base between managers and employees about what items um, would require field activity. And only in, this, in the rare situation that, you know, those type of activities can't be accomplished in another way and that that work is required in that fashion would they entertain such a request to go out in the field. Um, look to the agency to put out additional guidance um, in the near future. Um, they claimed in our discussions with them that they intentionally left these memos to be very broad and vague because they're still working the details and understand that there's a lot more things they have to work through and are very cognizant as we reminded them that the virus is currently um, surging in a lot of areas, and this is probably not the best time to be sending people to the field um, and ensuring their safety. So um, they heard us loud and clear on that and wanted us to be clear that they would not be forcing people to go in the field based on these directives. Uh, Duncan, your, your kind of view on this. Uh, revenue officers, I'm sure, have been communicating with you on this issue. What are you hearing from them? Uh, exactly what Doreen was saying that with the, especially with COVID spiking, even in Indiana where it's stabilized a little bit, uh, it's still pretty high out there and they don't want to put themselves or their families in possible harm's way. So it's one of those things where trying to do everything we can remotely as, as Doreen was alluding to. Our concern, of course, is that you're going to have some managers out there are going to want to be at first and second levels who are going to want to be overachievers for lack of a better term and say well we can show them that we can go out and we can do this and we're going to be firmly there saying no you can't and this is the guidance and they don't have to go out unless it's absolutely necessary and i'm sure they're going to be chapters all over the country who are going to be dealing with that same thing and saying the same thing let's go to doreen on this one uh there's been some uh, publicity over the last day, but before we record this, uh, just about the uh, federal employee pay raise. We were never very optimistic. We talked to President Reardon when he was kind enough to be on our podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, he was going to push for it. But I, I will say one thing. I would say that NTEU has the best legislative department in the federal sector. So I know that there'll be a lot of push there. And, of course, the members themselves uh, will be will be contacting their own local representatives. But this is a challenging time. Right now, it looks like the 1% raise the president has proposed would would be the default uh, amount since uh, the House uh, has now put out their budget plan or guidelines, I guess. It's not a specific plan, but they basically uh, were silent on the whole federal employee raise issue. Uh, anything you'd like to add to that? Well, I think... You know, I've been a fan of the podcast and been watching and, and listening to the discussion around the pay raise. And these are challenging times. Um, with so much focus on COVID and the expenses and the impact it has had on the economy with unemployment and the various um, bills that have gone forward, spending is a concern. And, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see at this point. Obviously, NTU always... Um, is at the forefront pushing for employees to 
in, you know, get better benefits, including a pay raise. And we're going to have to work with our, our friends on Capitol Hill to see where we can uh, get some traction on that. Anything you'd like to add, Duncan? Uh, to be honest with you, I was surprised that the uh, 1% so far is, uh, you know, sailing through by Congress being silent on it. Um, as you said, our ledge department is great and we'll be pushing, but I think it's with everything in the world around us, including an election coming up later this year, it's going to be a tough push to get it higher, but we're going to do everything we can and members out there on their own time need to be contacting their uh, congressperson and their senators and saying, hey, look, we deserve more of a pay raise. Please take a look at it for us. Yeah, Doreen, I'd like to explore this issue with you because I've been trying to, as someone who is not a medical professional by any means, what you want to do in a situation like we're in now is read and digest what the professionals are saying. And the one thing that continues to concern me the most is the fact that most of the high-level professionals, people who do this for a living, have degrees all after their name and have been working these epidemiological and all these other uh, uh, contagious disease issues, virus issues. What I'm hearing them say is that every day medical science is learning something new about this virus. I had one... uh, expert talking on TV over the weekend saying, you know, they're still studying the fact that the initial outbreaks, one of them was on a cruise ship, and even though there were people who with with coronavirus all throughout the ship, there were married couples sharing the same stateroom, these small rooms, one uh, spouse would get, uh, turn, turn positive, get the virus, the other would not, and nobody knows why. My question to you is, with all that uncertainty, and I know you, you, you folks at the National NTU office are following this as well, doesn't this make it more difficult for the agency as you as a union uh, working on behalf of the employees so make it more difficult to figure out what are the best policies moving forward with all of this uncertainty scientifically yes i mean it does present a challenge um but i think from our perspective we try to stay on top of all of the latest information as we've seen with this pandemic when it first started the guidance was no masks, and now we're to a point where masks are are highly recommended based on what they've learned thus far about how this virus uh, is transmitted. And so, you know, I think what we've done is is try to ensure that agencies are addressing the changes as the as things become known about this virus and are on top of these things. Um, you know, that's the only way that we can ensure that people are protected is that you know agencies are nimble enough to address them as new information becomes available. And so, and I encourage employees too, to make sure that they're up and following the latest science on this. Um, for example, um, I know we've talked a lot about um, plexiglass and that's their protections, but really what we're finding is um, masks being worn by both individuals and keeping distance, so the social distancing and masks have shown scientifically to be helpful in preventing the virus. Although um, I acknowledge Duncan's story this morning uh, when we started about uh, the member that contracted the virus. So a lot's unknown, but we have to um, take seriously the information we do know and and react accordingly. Doreen, let me just stay with you for a moment because we're kind of getting close on time and I want to make sure I get 
this in. Um, you were in, uh, the, the president for many years of Chapter 1, which is in Milwaukee. NTEU, as we know it today, representing IRS employees, that union started in Milwaukee. That's why it is Chapter 1. Take a couple of minutes and kind of tell the story of how NTEU birthed itself in, in the city of Milwaukee. As, uh, as I was the chapter president for 14 years um, with Chapter 1 in Milwaukee, I got that question a lot. It's like, why Milwaukee? How are you Chapter 1? Well, going back to 1938, and as I always tell people, I was not there at that time. I was um, going to say, make sure to tell them you weren't there, Doreen. <laughs> a, a group of indiv you know, individuals really um, were unhappy with their working conditions and, and pushed. Um, the main goal at that point was was a push for civil service reforms. Um, they wanted protections. Back in, back in the day, it was not unusual for employees to be hired and fired at will. Um, you know, reports, when I look back at reports um, that their chapter had, they had issues with um, just their work environments, not good lighting, not good heating, not good cleaning. Um, but they wanted protections as far as retirement and and promotions and job things. And it's funny because, you know, while we've been at this um, fighting for the rights of employees for over 80 years, um, we still are fighting some of the very same issues today and looking to protect some of those very rights that caused these people to form as a group and association at that point and then later becoming a union. Um, so, you know, I really advise people while we've had great successes over the decades, and, and I look forward to continuing those successes, that employees should never take their rights for granted and should remember that, you know, all through the decades, employees have taken action to protect and build on the rights we have. And now it's our turn to continue that same fight. And so being, you know, growing up my IRS career for 35 years as a member and a leader of Chapter 1, I am very cognizant of, of what has come before me and our need to continue those efforts going forward. So um, thanks for that question. I appreciate it. Uh, Duncan, we're running out of time. Any last uh, comments before we wrap it up? Yeah, uh, two things mainly. One is we do realize that there's going to be an issue with a lot of people being at home, building up their leave, possibly having uh, use or lose issues at the end of the year, make sure to get those requests in early and most certainly uh, within the time frame of before the third pay period of the year. So if something happens and we don't get funding, you're covered. You want to make sure of that. But we do realize that there possibly could be issues with people taking the leave they're entitled to because right now they're just sitting at home working. There's nowhere to to go with the leave or do anything with it. So we are cognizant of that. The second thing is the NTU Chapter 49 masks are in. Uh, we're working with, they should be mailed out to folks' homes. I would expect that you should receive those in the next week or so. So very happy that uh, those are going to be going out. And that's something we wanted to do for all the members. Uh, Doreen, any uh, quick uh, message for our uh, local membership or anybody else that may be listening here uh, 30 seconds or so before we wrap this up? I just want to thank uh, Duncan and thank you, Larry. Um, as I said, I'm a fan of this podcast. Uh, keep doing the great job you're doing. 
uh, Chapter 49 members. You are very fortunate to have an awesome leader in Duncan Giles. He does a great job looking out for your interests and keeping uh, National NTU informed of the issues that are important to you. So keep up the great job, and thank you for having me. You just heard Doreen Greenwald. Doreen is special assistant to the national president of NTEU, Tony Reardon, and, of course, uh, Duncan Giles, our Chapter 49 president. Thanks to both of you for being on the podcast. We'll be back again next week with another Chapter 49 podcast.